0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. You're listening to the Detroit Sports Rag podcast. Their Simon Cowell a Broadcast.
1: plagiarized the work of a blogger David Hartz. Now what's going on with that? Big Lose
0: my number. Bye. It was a condescending I had a few too
2: many and I just drove home and then just fucking, yeah. Is it true to sexually harassed a co-worker, uh, oh, in the college
1: newspaper?
0: The Detroit Sports
3: Website. Uh, I don't say it. this. This 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 puke isn't even worth being mentioned. The only time we should mention him is for his obituary. Except okay. no one will care when he's dead.
1: We're talking to T. Fos Terry Foster, ninety-seven-one. Uh, this guy got his hands into everything. Failed restaurants, failed marriages, failed liquor licenses. This guy's an animal. I make good
0: choices nowadays. Before we get started, Jeff Moss.
3: Is that correct?
0: Lawrence, well,
3: you here to do the interview today, or
0: yeah. what's the deal? Yeah. No, I just... All right. Well, we, well, I'm sure Terry greatly appreciates that. The other thing is, you, you guys are racing hell out there in Detroit, aren't you? I, I, I've got some people telling me, you ben and I go on that show with those guys. Those guys are making everybody angry and getting them mad and doing stuff. So you're creating quite a stir back there in Detroit. Yeah, got some coke
3: our podcast. My name is Jeff Moss. Episode 51, I believe. Tuesday, November 1st. One more week of horror on this side of the border. We are going to dispense with the normal intro. I will get to the Cali tickets read after the first break. But our first guest this evening is in a bit of a hurry, and he squeezed us into his busy schedule. He is going to be attending the uh, much-anticipated Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers matchup this evening at the ACC against the Toronto Maple Leafs and Austin Matthews. Uh, I'm I'm not even going to try to butcher this gentleman's last name. Uh, you can find him at on Twitter at OMG. It's Domi. Dom is his first name. I I, I keep wanting to say Curtis Lecision is the last name, but the spelling is just can you can you Dom, can you give us the pronunciation of the last name?
1: Uh it's pronounced Loose but a lot of people do usually start with Chishin.
3: Yeah, it, this is like the greatest Scrabble word of all time. L-U-S-Z-C-Y-Z-Y-S. I mean, it's like 17 Zs and Ys in there. I mean, it's got to be like a <laughs> 270 point um Scrabble word. You write for the Hockey News, Leafs Nation, Hockey Graphs, and the reason that uh, I wanted to desperately get you on the show tonight before you went and actually watched an interesting hockey game, uh, as opposed to what Red Wing fans probably tonight will be viewing uh, the Wings against the Flyers, is because of an article you wrote for the Hockey News over the weekend, kind of a Halloween themed uh, blog post regarding the good, the bad, and the scary, a look at the NHL's best and worst lines. Uh, And I'm not sure there's too many Red Wing fans out there who are going to be surprised at what you considered the scariest, worst line in the NHL going right now. Uh, The OMG line, which I believe was named by one of our uh, contributors, Topher Ryan, uh, who first uh, monikered that line, Luke Lindenning, Drew Miller, Steve Ott. Before we get into some of your hilarious quotes from this article, can can you give us, uh, I mean, this is, like I said, Red Wing fans have been basically uh, ruining the day that this line would be put together from the minute that Steve Ott was signed on July 1st. Uh, Can you give us a quick breakdown before we get into the details of uh, why this line is so awful? Uh, I guess the basic premise is that
1: they spend most of their shifts in their own zone, and when they do finally get it out, they're sort of lost on the other side, and they usually end up right back in their own zone again. Um, I guess statistically, they're sort of a disaster. They have, among regular lines, so lines that have played, I guess, more than like 25 minutes, they have the worst shot attempt ratio in the entire league. They they get 35% of the shots when they're on the ice, which is truly terrible. Um, they're minus 20 in that department in just 40 minutes. So every two minutes of ice time, they get outshot by one, which is kind of hilarious to me. Because I can't imagine a line being that bad. That's so, basically the gist of it.
3: So if they played, uh, theoretically, and this is you posted this in the article, per 60 minutes... They would get outshot by the other the opposing team uh, by twenty nine point eight shots, which uh, that that's got to be pretty much historically bad, I would think.
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, that's that's relative to the rest of the Red Wings, so obviously they're going to look bad compared to the rest of the team. Um, twenty nine shot attempts worse than the rest of the team. So any other line is on, they're doing, well, not great because the Red Wings have been sort of out-chance a lot in the early going, but when those three are on, it's even worse.
3: The other the other night, which, you know, the Red Wings were 6-2 and two heading into the weekend where they had two home games against two beatable opponents, uh, the Bruins mm-hmm. and the Panthers, and a lot of uh, people from the DSR, uh, one of our readers and someone who's on this po- podcast uh, somewhat frequently, who I think you're fr- uh, friendly with, Prashant Ayer. We basically were warning uh, Red Wing fans: the six and two start was a mirage. That do not believe what you see from the stats. Two games were absolutely stolen by goaltenders. The possession uh, rates were just this wasn't sustainable. And in the eye test, you just forget advanced stats. Just watching the team wasn't it. Just wasn't sustainable. So they play on Saturday night at the Joe against the Bruins. And to start the game, now I don't have to tell explain this to you, but some some of my uh uh listeners aren't exactly diehard hockey fans. The Red Wings, because mm-hmm. being at home, had the uh, decision who to to play last to start the game. And the Bruins uh, had the Marchand line out there to start the game. Yeah. And Jeff Blashell countered with the Oh My God line. Uh, can you explain in, into words uh, what an awful and ridiculous decision that would be?
1: Uh, basically, it's countering one of the worst possession lines possibly ever created um, with one of the best. They, the Bruins have Bergeron and Marchand who are sort of like possession gods and to the analytics crowd. So to use the Oh My God line as I guess, a shutdown line to one of the best lines in the league is not an optimal strategy. And I think that they had the choice to do that speaks highly of, I guess, decision-making beyond the bench at the moment.
3: I'm going to quote your article real quick. And this is this is from your October 31st, Halloween article regarding uh, the scary bad line of Luke Lindenning, Drew Miller, Steve Ott. Quote, the OMG line question mark, you may ask. It's the acronym for the guys that are on it. And it also perfectly describes their play. For example, oh my God, why can't we get the puck out of our zone? Or, oh, my God, we waived two promising young players for this, or, oh, my God, why did you do that, or, oh, my God, that ship was a disaster, or, oh, my God, seriously, how is the puck still in our zone? Uh, it, this this seems to be a national phenomenon that that you know people like you, uh, some of the other uh, analytic writers, mm-hmm. uh, Puck Daddy, I think, has mentioned this, the guy over in Vancouver, I forget, Dimitri, uh, he, he's written about this. In Detroit, the beat writers... Uh, Last week, we're writing glowing articles about Steve Ott's play. Uh, there's such a divide between what the national perspective of this fourth line and the Homer Detroit sports media. Is there any justification that you can see in your mind why uh, anyone would suggest that these three people play together, or even be, or, or even be in the roster? Some two of them. Uh,
1: yeah, I definitely don't see why. Like, I understand Glenn Dennings roll team, kills Penley so I guess you get the pass. But the other two, I'm not sure why they're even on the roster to have them there. I guess they provide an edge to the game. They have grit, whatever. If the on-ice results are that bad, they probably shouldn't be together. But I guess for some people who fawn over this line, they probably see them working very hard in the defensive zone, which they are in quite often. So you see them working hard, always in the defensive zone. You get the idea that, hey, these guys are probably pretty good defensively. Look how good they are in that zone. But the problem is, they're just always there. And that's a problem.
3: You and I both know that if the Red Wings, after the training camp, broke, if they would have put Ott and Miller on on waivers and tried to send them down to Grand Rapids, there's not a team in the world that would have picked mm-hmm. up either of them. Uh, that's pretty clear. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, the Red Wings had two middling prospects both have flaws in their game but had one thing that they can do at least they proved in the ahl was score score the puck and that would be martin frick and timu pulkanen both who were waived both who got picked up and then were once again waived by their respective teams minnesota and uh carolina the, the wings just today uh picked frick back up and i uh, the beat writers you have taken this for detroit uh the Detroit Red Wing beat writers, free press news, M Live is like, well, see, these guys weren't that great. They spent a week or two with you know the other destination, and they got waived again. Completely ignoring the fact that Detroit sports Red Wings fans are basically saying, look, we're not saying that this is the next Brett Hall or Guy Lafleur, but Frick and Pulkinen are better than two of these fourth liners by any metric you want to come up with. And I, I think that's been lost, and I don't know maybe you could comment on that from a national perspective. Someone who's not a, you know, not from Detroit, not a Wings fan.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah honestly, you hit the nail on the head there. Like, uh, I think Volkanen is pretty good. Frick is, I guess, okay. The fact that they're waived by the teams are picking up, I don't think says much about Detroit what they did because Detroit has two obviously worse players on their team, while the other. Carolina and Minnesota have, I guess, much deeper four groups. They don't have someone like Ott or Miller that they can get rid of. So they, those guys, they tried them out. They didn't fit, I guess, and they waived them. But in Detroit's case, it didn't make sense for them to do that, do considering you, the guys they're dressing instead.
3: Do Do you see this as like an old school versus new school type of thing? Because it seems like. It's an this approach that your fourth line's got to be filled with, you know, defensive players or penalty penalty killers or, you know, a checking line, grind line with grit, as opposed to a line that you could put together, which would not have a possession rate of thirty five percent or shot shot rate or whatever whatever stat you want to come up with, where the fourth line is going to be playing in your own zone for most of that shift. Uh, do you think that's kind of like an analytic based type of deal where teams like the wings, which don't seem to put a great emphasis on analytics are still going by this old sort of standby as opposed to maybe some, uh, you know, other teams which are looking at a fourth line is just, let's just have a line out there, maybe young quick that at least possesses the puck.
1: Uh, definitely. Um I think it is a bit of a difference between old school and new school thinking and the old school thinking was that you get a fourth line to sort of slow the game down, shut down other teams' fourth lines because there just weren't enough talented and skilled players to fill out four lines. If you got 12 highly skilled players, you're obviously going to want to get as much skill in your line as possible, but when there weren't enough, some teams decided to get guys who can sort of plug the game, make it slower, so that bad things didn't happen. And then that sort of spiraled into the idea that teams need those kind of role players instead of, I guess, using putting skill on every line.
3: Yeah, we're talking about an organization when they won the Stanley Cup in 2002 that had a fourth line. Now, I understand this was pre-cap of Luke Robitaille, mm-hmm. Th- Thomas Holmstrom, and a rookie Pavel Datsuk, not exactly yeah. a line. Scotty Bowman wasn't exactly looking for a lot of defense. I don't think got a Homer or Luke, uh, but mm-hmm. that was that. I mean, that was the fourth line. That that was the goal. That was that. Was actually, the line that scored the uh, famous goal against uh, Carolina in triple overtime in Game uh, Three. So mm-hmm. I mean, this the for the Red Wings franchise to go from that in in thirteen years or fourteen years to a line that basically spends. You know, a minute and fifteen seconds, or however they're out there chasing their own tail. It's 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 really depressing. And I got two more questions. I know you got to get going. You got a, yeah. a incredible hockey game to go see tonight. And I want to ask you one question about that. But the question before I get to the uh, Leafs and oil, oil tonight would be, what, what's your general impression of Ken Holland uh, in this town? Basically, there's like a divide mm-hmm. line between people who will just never forget what he did for this franchise when he had Mike Ilitch unlimited pay, pay, pay a check or a checkbook uh, versus the fans who see today the organization he's put together over the five, last five or six years uh, in a, in a cap era where it just appears that he's completely clueless to managing a, a budget in this era. Uh, what, what's your opinion of Holland's work over the last five or six years? Uh,
1: I think Holland's definitely was one of, the better GMs early on when he had Statsuk and Zetterberg, but over the, and Lidstrom for that matter. But over the past few years, he's made some really mind-boggling salary decisions. Uh, I think Luke Lindenberg. What's he signed for? Like four more years.
3: Yeah, they got Something him like signed. That. They signed uh, they signed the Kaiser this offseason for six years yeah. for thirty million. They're paying Cronwell and Erickson until like two thousand and twenty. Yeah, he, he re-upped uh, uh, Helm for. Uh, be, I believe, five years, $20 million, a guy who's never scored more than 15 goals in a season. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he's doubled down on all these awful contracts that we were just praying to get off the books at some point, or maybe have yeah. Las Vegas take one of them off our hands next year, and it's just become worse and worse. Uh, is it, that's basically what you're seeing, too?
1: Yeah, the, the contract situation looks extremely d- dire. I don't... Every time... Detroit, I I remember signed a new contract. It was always like, why did you give them that much for that long? I remember the Justin Advocator contract was, I don't even remember what it was, but it was a lot for someone who's probably better served as a third-line player on most teams.
3: Yeah, I didn't even get to that contract, which was just a joke. Yeah. He really should be a fourth-line player probably on this team, and he's he's going to be the next captain, and he is just revered in this town, and it's Mm-hmm. It's very bizarre, and if we were in a city like, you know, Toronto, this wouldn't be happening, which we'll get to. Which I get to my last question. I, I'm 44 years old. I've lived on this planet since 1972. Uh, very rarely have have I ever been envious of Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Um, I can remember maybe 20 seconds when Nikolai Borshevsky uh, killed me in Game 7 uh, in the early 90s. There hasn't been much of a time, but now, I mean, with... The team that the Red Wings have on the ice, which not only is just not very good, but kind of boring. Uh, Maple Leafs fans have Mitch Marner, uh, William Nylander, obviously Austin Matthews. Just an incredible amount of young talent. And tonight you're going to be going to see them play an Edmonton Oilers team that's just obviously loaded with young talent. too. What are you going to be looking for tonight? And uh, what's your opinion on the Leafs moving forward with our our former coach?
1: Uh, the Leafs are definitely one of the most exciting teams around. I think living in Toronto, you get a little apathetic about the team because they've been so bad for so long. We have, we have the Detroit Lions, so you,
3: you don't have to tell us anything about that. But <laughs> <laughs> basically the uh, Detroit Lions of the NHL.
1: Pretty much. And now it's just an exciting time with those guys. Uh, I think they're a lot better than they've looked early on. I know they've only won two of their first nine games, but they've they've had a lot of leads. Uh, their goaltending has been awful. They have the puck a lot, and they've got young talent that can finally put the puck in And Just an extremely exciting team that should, I think, follow the path of the Blackhawks when they were first years in the Kane tape there. they just barely missed the playoffs, and then the year after that they met, uh, I think, the Red Wings in the conference finals, and then Stanley Cup right after. I think that's a a reasonable blueprint for what this team could be capable of.
3: Yeah, well, it'll be fun. If it's not as bad enough, watching the Kansas City Royals and the um, Mm -hmm. Cleveland Indians win World Series while we spend $200 million on payroll. I'm sure it's going to be real fun in a year or so when uh, the Leafs get a couple defensemen over there and maybe can stop the puck uh, with Mike Babcock (laughs) Mm -mm. (laughs) Uh, winning a Stanley Cup with Toronto. So we'll have fun tonight. I I really appreciate you squeezing us in. I I I definitely wanted to get you on to talk about this article because basically – you, it, in in the, the hockey news, a national perspective, uh, you know, something that Red Wing fans have been bitching about since July 1st. And it'll be interesting to see. Blaschel basically has to prove himself this year, you would think. And how long will he stick with a line as bad as the OMG line, knowing that there's no guarantee of a, of a contract or a future in the NHL after this season? Uh, Ken Holland's not going to blame this on himself. Blashaw will be the scapegoat, and it'll be interesting to see how long he goes with this. Instead of maybe calling up a Tyler Bertuzzi and Anthony Manta, I mean we that's that's one the last thing I'll say. We have a guy in the minors who I think is leading the HL in goals scored in a league <clears> where you have all these players that you know. There's article after article this week on on, on your website on TSN saying you know are these players like J- Jacob Chickering going to stay all year? A guy the Red Wings could have had, by the way. In, in their mm-hmm. team and, or go back to juniors. We have a guy in Anthony Mantha who has been one of the top prospects in the NHL for a few years, who's still in Grand Rapids leading the league in goals while uh, Thomas Vanek's hurt. We can't even call him up because of a, the, you know, the salary issue. Mm-hmm. We can't even call the guy up to put him in. We don't even, we don't even have enough guys in the roster right now because of the, it's just an absolute joke. And while 10% of the league is eligible, I think this year for the Calder trophy, um, we have Anthony Mantha scoring seven, eight goals already in in Grand Rapids. It's just, it's co- incredibly frustrating. And if it wasn't for the four Stanley Cups that we can look back on over the last twenty years, we'd probably all be uh, drinking Kool Aid and and uh-huh. and, and uh, committing suicide. But I appreciate you uh, joining us tonight. Have fun at the game tonight. You can follow him on Twitter at OMG. It's Domi, which I, I that has got nothing to do with uh, ot. Miller and Glendanning, I can't take it. That was that's been a that's been your handle for a while.
1: Oh yeah, I made that in high school and I I can't make it my real name because I feel like no one will ever find me, so I've just toiled away with this handle for I guess the last six years or so.
3: And so that refers to Ty Domi, not his not his son, who's incredibly more talented, I think. His son probably uh, when you were in high school, his son was probably in high school too, I guess.
1: Yeah, in high school, people called me Domi, so
3: oh. that's what I went with. Yeah. Uh, I apologize for that. Um, probably other than Steve, Ott, one of the most one of the more hated players in in, in Detroit sports, uh, Red Wing wise. Anyway, <laughs> Omg, it's Domi. I appreciate Dom. Have a good time tonight, and uh, really, really appreciate the article.
1: Thanks for having All me. All right,
3: thank you very much. All right, that's. Uh, I'm just going to call him Dom Lecision because I'm just not even going to try with that last name, Jessica. <laughs> it's like.
2: Probably a good idea. You're just going to butcher it anyway.
3: Yeah, I'm definitely. And Curtis LeCision was a nice defenseman in the NHL for a few years. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We will be back. We reset the show before Mark Goldman has a heart attack and takes a big shit that I didn't read the ad for Kelly Thickets. I'll get back and read that. Um, And we'll talk. I don't know. Maybe is Spear called yet? No. No, not yet. Oh, wow. I know he's around. All right. Thanks to Dom. And we'll be back. Um... Talk some more Detroit sports after this.
1: The imagine Theater's first ever video game night takes place on November 16th at the Imagine Theater in Royal Oak. Hosted by Activate's own Bailey Ray, you can play against friends and enemies in the newest sports games on the hottest systems. Get your hands on the latest in virtual reality or enjoy retro living rooms with the systems to match. Drink and food specials including an all-you-can-eat taco and nacho bar as well as door prizes and giveaways all night. Space is limited, so go to activategaming.com imagine to reserve your spot today. That's A-C-T-I-V, the number 8, gaming.com imagine
3: all right we're back on the dsr podcast thanks to dom for joining us to discuss the omg article he wrote on uh, hockey news i'm getting absolutely annihilated on the dsr forums jessica for are me. you yeah because why because the guy's gonna miss the puck drop of the game in toronto so oh because you kept like, him
2: on the phone kept
3: him on the phone too long
2: it was kind of dickly
3: was that, was it that obvious that he like was trying to get me off? Maybe he was still yeah. on after the break.
2: <laughs> Phrasing um, the phone, yeah, kind of. He was still he was on. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, because you know he was being a nice guy.
3: Yeah, those Canadians are usually.
2: Yeah, they're pretty serious about their hockey. So,
3: and they're also usually nice.
2: Yeah, which you know we're Americans and we're we're yeah. assholes. We're Americans
3: are about you know, so so about, you know a week away from electing a fucking Nazi as president.
2: <laughs> While well, they have uh, out Canada, Here Justin come. Trudeau.
3: Anyway, uh, the DSR Podcast, as always, is sponsored by CaliTickets.com. You can call Cali Tickets for all your ticket needs, 877-225-8425. That's 877-225-8425. Mention the Detroit Sports Rag. Mention the OMG Line. Mention Jessica. Mention Jim Caldwell. Going for it, or excuse me, kicking an onside kick with three minutes left and three timeouts left—anything like that—you will get a ten percent discount. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going to just list off some concerts that uh, he's got it. Mark's got it on his website: your Coldplay, Maroon Five, Green Day, Kanye West. Just in case you didn't know of any musical artists, like that—that that helps you. Like if you didn't know, like what purchasing tickets for an event was all about, I think that just helped. Eight seven seven two two five eight four two five. I believe Book of Mormon's coming this week to the Fisher, so you can get tickets to that.
2: Yeah, I've never seen that.
3: You know, Spiro's got a an event coming. I think on November seventeenth. I want to say, are you going? No. Were you invited? Maybe it's November eighteenth. No. I think it's November day. It's, it's some church in Gross Point where he has like music.
2: Oh, like a musical?
3: Yeah, like uh, they sing songs. This one, I think, is going to have a West Side Story, Phantom of the Opera. It's got like four or five singers, really good oh, singers. Oh, wow.
2: Thanks for and, the invite, Justin. Not.
3: Well, <laughs> it's persona non grata around these parts. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. why you didn't get the invite. You're associated with me. so Guilty by Well, I'm actually going. And uh, I requested a song. Oh, did you? Maybe we should play the song in the break. I didn't give it to you, but uh Yeah, send it yeah, to me. From Jesus Christ Superstar.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Send this
3: me. I'll send it to you. So that's Kelly tickets. Wow, that just that read just went right off the rails. Eight seven seven two two five eight four two five. Now I, I'll, I I don't know what the fuck to talk about tonight, and I'm not sure how long this show is going to last. I probably if it wasn't for the interview with Dom, I might even cancel tonight because I wasn't even in the wow. mood for some reason. Seems but, like
2: you're excited tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm just
3: like I don't know. I was like I need like a I just like need a week to like. Refresh myself. I don't know. I'm just very depressed about Drew Sharp passing away. Like, yeah,
2: I could tell. Last week you were real broken up about. I'm, it
3: I'm very upset, and it's like you know, <laughs> You're just mad because
2: you it, can't deliver your it's, prize it's, now. It's, it's based, Yeah,
3: it's like basically like the That's Joker dying. Where your depression. Comes the Joker from. dying. Like in Batman's like got no purpose anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with my life? I needed Drew Sharp here.
2: That's okay. Some other you know asshat will replace him. Yeah, well, him there are can, others, you know, but I don't know it's that just, guy.
3: I haven't even written that many articles lately. Just, I don't know. Focusing more on horse racing. Breeders' Cup coming up this Friday and well, Saturday. That's
2: stupid. You don't have a podcast about that. So I know. I, should, I was
3: thinking about just trolling everyone, just like spending like the whole show <laughs> doing my horse racing picks and having like horse racing people from all over the country who like follow me, like just just so like three people would listen to the show right i don't even think i don't even say, think, don't even think brian Kavanaugh would have listened to that like no. i don't even think the diehards would even have tuned in for me doing it. oh that you've got a
2: caller somebody probably talked shit to you
3: <laughs> you want to go to it i, I have nothing else. i i mean my next topic is about rochelle riley wait so. am i
2: answering this caller? Oh, why not on. who
3: cares right. answer it uh speak hello caller
0: i would have liked the uh Terrence and Phil, of troll episode, just talk about horse racing for an hour. I, I, I thought that would have played very well
3: to your audience. Yeah, I, I really was thinking about doing it. I was going to have like three or four horse racing experts on just talking about horse racing for the whole fucking time.
2: Are you like secretly a spy, Spiro? Like, how many freaking phone numbers do you have?
3: The guys I had more cell phone, phone numbers. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're You should just see just my phone. Rocky. I have like. Theo got in there again. Theo Gridiron Spiteful hold on a second look like how many phone numbers along. i have for spiro in my phone like the Eight? guy's like what are you like 28 years old how many phone numbers you had we got an 807 number a 392 number <laughs> um let's see what else i have in here like a 535 number now you're like calling from an 810 i think right no
2: it's a different one.
3: Oh yeah so yeah but he's usually calls in from an yeah. 810 how many fucking <laughs> who are you running from i'm the one who owes you a hundred dollars <laughs> Well, apparently, I owe money all over town. That's the rumor. Yeah, so. that's true. So what's well, going on? Well, you
0: sounded on? like you were drowning on the air, so I figured I'd come and you know. <laughs> did you did like it sound
3: like I, I was drowning? I, I thought the first segment was pretty good, other than the fact that the guy had to go to the the Maple Leafs Oilers game. I thought that was an interesting segment.
0: I don't know. I missed that segment, but I've been catching the last uh, minute or two. You, you don't oh, think you need So to you help. missed
3: the first twenty-five minutes of the show, and you just heard me bullshitting after the break. I guess. I don't know. I didn't know how long you were bullshitting oh, it was It was so, it was a minute. But can we talk about Rochelle Riley for a second?
0: Yeah, let's talk about Rochelle Riley. Right. She's one of my favorites in town. She's okay. a real peach. And she's one of those people you have to be so careful for. Okay, I'm not going to
3: say it. Yeah, don't say it. But this woman, she's a columnist for the Free Press. And she ra- she made the DSR's radar last year when she called for... Jim Caldwell to be you know brought back to the Lions, uh, that he was building something great in Detroit, it would be wrong for Bob Quinn to come in and fire him, even though she had no such, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, support, I don't know, that's probably not the word, but support for Brad Osmus, who was in the exact same situation as Jim Caldwell, basically. Um you could, the parallels are scary between Caldwell and Osmus. And she, you know, there was no articles from Rochelle Riley saying that Brad Osmus should be giving another year by Al Avila, the new GM, by the way, in town, just like Bob Quinn was the new GM in Detroit. Uh, it was ridiculous. She went on she blocked me on Twitter for calling her out for the hypocrisy, which I could only say had to had to be her desire for an African American coach to be the coach of the Lions. And I don't say that because Jim Caldwell's black and uh, Rochelle Riley's an African-American. I say it because she put that in her article herself. She wrote that she, she was a longtime Lions fan who was happy that the Lions had an African-American coach. So I'm not putting words in her mouth. It, it was a joke. But she might have topped herself yesterday. She wrote an article about the walking dead. Now, I know you watch that show, Spiro. Um, I do not watch it. But she stated basically that the FCC is wrong, that they only monitor shows on free TV, you know, NBC, ABC, CBS, and not on cable. She actually filed a complaint, tried to file a complaint. <laughs> I, I don't know if you read this. She tried to file. She tried to file. A- I mean, first of all, what kind of person attempts to file a complaint with the FCC? Once you've gone down that road, you're already in the group of worst people in the world. You know, the Christian Council on Family Values who, re- who ran Howard Stern off to Sirius. I mean, you're just a terrible person if you're calling the FCC and trying to complain about a TV show or a radio pro- program.
0: You already need- did the Helen Lovejoy, you know, won't someone please think of the
3: children. Yeah. Right.
2: Why are kids watching that? Like, well, I like that show. Here's an idea: just don't watch it if well, you listen, don't like I'm how graphic it
3: is. I'll quote her, Jessica, and you can and you can get an idea of what she was talking about. Uh, so, how could a show airing at 9 p.m. on a Sunday night, when any nine-year-old could be passing by the TV, be able to depict a lunatic beating two men's heads in with a barbed wire covered baseball bat? No impressional thirteen-year-old. I don't know how the kid aged in four years as he walked by the TV. <laughs> should have the capability to see their bodies a pool of brain matter where the head should be for the repus, rest of the episode right so they called so she calls the FCC and the response is i mean i can't even get over this she called the FCC Spokes, spokesman will Whitquist's response was it's on cable right question mark not understanding that for anyone to get the walking dead you have to make a conscious decision to pay for it. You've got to call up either Comcast or WoW or Bright House or AT&T or any of them, the many cable and satellite operators and make the conscious decision to bring The Walking Dead or Westworld or The Sopranos into your house. And you want the FCC to play Mother To you, once you've decided to pay for something, you fucking imbecile?
0: Well, you got to remember that Rochelle Riley is just like you. She's a total leftist, so she wants as much regulation as possible. She wants everything run by the government, just like you do. Liberals don't want
3: the First Amendment limited.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, let's not even go down that road. You you and your people don't want to be offended by anything. You and your people? Are you talking about Jews or liberals at this
3: point? All right, go on. It's just typical
0: uh, Rochelle Riley. She says something completely nonsensical and just gets bombed on social media for it. And the best part about Rochelle Riley is she just is incapable of getting it. Even the most basic thing you lay out to her, just like the Caldwell argument, where you can say, "Look, well, here's, here's the parallels between Jim Caldwell and Brad Auschwitz. How are you not seeing this? She just says, oh, well, I just disagree. I mean, there's no rationale for her stance on this, just like there wasn't any rationale for her stance on the Tigers thing, you know, versus the Lions. And uh, this is beside the point, really, how does uh, an ostensibly educated, supposedly intelligent person not realize that the FCC's Outreach doesn't go into the HBO realm I mean this is like a a basic it's something you learn in journalism and broadcasting school i, I don't I don't know how she didn't know that to begin with
3: Let me read the me read begin with let me read the final paragraph, but the best outcome would be the Walking Dead forcing Congress to reexamine decency rules for what should and shouldn't be allowed even for money. Before our need to be unfettered forces us to lose our souls. Oh, so, my God. So she's claiming that if in a society, if you're an adult and you want to pay to either watch The Walking Dead, listen to Howard Stern say cunt on Sirius Radio, if you will, I mean, is, is she going to next a, a, a stop me from being able to watch Pornhub and getting my jerk off? I mean, where does this end? This is this is the most insane insane column I have ever read. That in a country like the United States, you have a leftist columnist suggesting that the FCC monitor what you can pay for,
2: <laughs> what you can pay for. I mean, isn't that how China runs? Maybe she should. Make I'm ben. sure China. I mean, you probably have more rights in China than mm. that.
3: This is this. Someone should. Do they have editors at this paper? Did anyone read this and say, Are you fucking insane? Do you know what you're saying? You're telling grown adults that they're not allowed to pay to watch a cartoon, a comic come to life. That's what The Walking Dead is, you insane human being. And you're saying that people shouldn't be given the choice to pay to watch a show that 20 million people watched on sunday that's a lot that's a pretty large segment of the population chose to watch this show and you're saying that we shouldn't have the right again this is very in line with what you
0: and your people want no, it's this is not. A, a rare example give me an example, give me an example.
3: So is- please give me an example where the left you wants to abridge freedom of speech
0: uh, how about the time that anybody says anything remotely politically incorrect and they want their career over because of it? I mean, do I need to off examples? Someone makes well, an off-color remark on an airplane about AIDS but the, and loses their job before the plane touches no, down? But nobody, nobody, crazy hold on, nuts? hold
3: on. Let me let me answer that because you've, you've made an accusation. Nobody is saying that that girl making that flight to South Africa didn't have the right to say what she said. Nobody says that Kurt Schilling doesn't have the right to tweet out whatever ridiculous stupidity about Obama or Hillary. They nobody questions the fact that they have the right to say that. But consequently, I have the right if I want to to say to ESPN I'm gonna protest any program that you put Kurt Schilling on if you allow him to compare Obama to the Holocaust. And that's a that's a complete that's, that's a complete freedom of speech issue. Schilling has the freedom of speech to say what he wants. I have the freedom to pressure ESPN to take him off. I'm not saying nobody's saying he should be put in jail for having insane beliefs like that he thinks he could beat Elizabeth Warren in a Senate race. Uh, he can have whatever crazy thoughts he wants. but if you know and, and trust me, you know you know very well that I'm not in the Richard Deitch, uh, Keith Law camp when it comes to that stuff, but that they're just expressing their freedom of uh, speech, just like Schilling or Mike Ditka or whoever, you know, is saying it on the right. So I don't see how that's any comparison.
0: The point is, and I agree, I'm not saying that you want people thrown in jail, but the people of your ilk want to shut that down through any –
3: any method no,
0: I, necessary, not, any method no,
3: possible. No, 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 so, no, So,
0: yeah, no, no. You, just because you don't have the power to imprison someone, I, I don't think anyone's making the argument that Jeff Moss has the power to imprison somebody. If I mean, someone, obviously that's not what I'm
3: saying. You work in the public sector but, now. If someone from your dad's company went on Facebook and said something, something that was offensive to black people or Muslims or Jews and a group picked up on it and started protesting your dad's business— your dad would make a, a a business decision and say, "Look, I'm cutting you off because you know this is hurting my business." But that's not that's not a First Amendment uh, type of deal. That's a business decision but, that your dad would make.
0: I don't disagree with that. Let's redirect this to right. uh, the, the back to the point. I'll, I'll take the blame for deviating from the course. I, the standard in this town is so low. And it goes beyond the pale with this kind of stuff. You mentioned that for an editor to, to let that go through their hands, across their desk, and not have that be checked, you have to wonder what goes on. Not to mention even the stupid things like the typos you see in print on a daily basis. I mean, there's a, you have to wonder if there's any editorial staff at all. And then when we saw, not going to ring us the entire Drew Sharp story, but I do think this is a point uh, of emphasis for the state of this town as a whole. What What are these editors doing? You had someone caught red-handed plagiarizing, and then the editor was lied to their face by their subordinates. The and nothing happened. I mean, just absolutely nothing happened. So I don't, what's the point of even having these editors? These newspapers are dying. Well, she's but a I columnist. Dying, not just for...
3: She's a longtime columnist, and I'm guessing that the person who edited it probably didn't have the ability to like say, you know, what are you what are you doing when she said, "quote We have freedom of speech ourselves to death, and then ask ourselves what has happened because The Walking Dead had a had a scene that was true to the comic book inspiration. Now listen to this one, and th- th- now this is now like I don't watch the show, and you do, so I want to ask you a question. All right. This is what she says, Yeah. quote, that episode of The Walking Dead was the series finale for me, and I've watched the show for its entire run, unquote. Was the show that much exponentially worse than all of the other murder and killings for a zombie apocalypse that she went from watching the show for seven years to calling the FCC? Uh, you
0: know...
2: <laughs> it was probably I the most extreme year, but it, it
0: was it was a new level uh, of gore and I, I think it didn't help that it was a beloved character that was on the receiving end of this brutality. And, I understand you know, it, but how much I, too, but the so. show's
3: known for for murder, mayhem, death, violence. It's a zombie apocalypse. She's just mad
2: cuz Glenn died. Like I, just, I don't She got so mad matters. about a, a character
0: what, dying. Sort of violence was it's irrelevant. It could be the worst thing that's ever been broadcast, the bottom line. But
3: yeah, I'm just pointing out, out what a hypocrite out. she it, is, that this was a this
0: was a line she drew. Well, that's fair. I mean, I, I think we've reached probably like 82% of that level of gore 105 times on that show. You know, it's tough to say, where's the line of, okay, this was too far. You've had people uh, stabbed in the neck. You've had young children gunned down. Uh, you've had people uh, basically embalmed alive. I, it, it's just been... One bad thing after another. Right. And, you know, I, I do think this was the worst of the worst, but you know, where do you draw that line? Well, here's but my point. Now, here's
3: my point. You're appalled. If Rochelle Riley had watched Downton Abbey for six years, okay, and all of a sudden, the season premiere of season seven, Carson took a baseball bat that was wrapped in barbed wire and started killing the Crowley family, I, you might understand her point. <laughs> But this is a show she's been watching for all of these years. You fucking imbecile. You idiot. Take this woman's column away. She's... I, I, I.
1: She clearly and I don't have a problem. Sense. I don't
0: have a problem with Rochelle Riley saying, you know what, they just took it one step too far. I'm done and making right. her decision to not watch it. I couldn't care less. It's not going to bother me. But for her to pick up the phone and call the FCC over it's mm-hmm. just unbelievable. I mean, it just, as I mentioned, it, it shows a total lack of understanding of what the FCC's reach even is. And even if the FCC had that reach, why would that be something you'd advocate? You don't have to watch it. Like what, what kids are being manipulated? I, I mean, has there been like a run of kids swinging bats with, with mm-hmm. blades on them uh, in the last week since that aired? I mean, is I that, has that been a thing? I, has there been a great uptick in violence? Uh, have there been you know, uh, sort of uh, just a a crime wave associated with The Walking Dead. I I just, I don't
2: get it. Hey, if it was, was, that's on the parents for letting them watch it anyways. Right. So there's that.
3: Sunday night, 9 o'clock in the evening, if your kids are watching The Walking Dead,
2: you've got a bigger (laughs) problem,
3: much bigger problem than the FCC. All right, we've beat beat that topic to death with a uh, barbed wire baseball (laughs) bat. Uh, what was your opinion on the Lions uh, game Sunday? Were you, were you, what was your opinion of the onside kick? Were you uh, for it, against it? Do you think it was a big deal?
0: Oh, I, I can't believe there's anyone that would even minimize how stupid it was. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what your position was. I'm not sure if I even came across it on Twitter, but I think it's ridiculous. You kick the ball deep. You have almost three minutes left and four stoppages of the clock. I mean, it just it made absolutely no sense. And I was blown away that they even did that. I, I, I don't know what Caldwell's thinking. Well, it's it just, it, it's one confounding decision after another from this coach. And the thing is, I don't think Bob Quinn is an idiot. And we talked about this in the past too. I think that the silver lining here is that Bob Quinn sees what we see. He see—he saw Jim Caldwell blow the Titans game. He has seen this guy make questionable decision after questionable decision some have paid off anyway, in spite of the odds. Bob Quinn's no dummy. So this is actually maybe not such a bad thing that Caldwell's showing his ass now. So this can be corrected in the future
1: from the Lions fan perspective.
3: The the odd thing is, is that, to me, it's been his best season, Caldwell. And the, the, the point that I was seeing raised by actually some people that I actually do respect was, well, the Lions weren't going to stop him anyway that you saw what happened, they knew they were going to run, and they ran for 3, 10, 6, 6, and ended the game anyway. You were taking a chance by doing the onside kick of, uh, you know, uh, getting the ball back in that situation. And my point to that was, well, if you kick the ball away and they down it and they bring it out to the 25-yard line, it's a lot different situation than... Dejecting your defense by showing that you had no, absolutely no trust in them, and then you know the opposing team, this being Houston, getting the ball at midfield.
2: Ah, uh, we lost him.
3: Oh, he must have King of All Blacks phone. Actually, he was sounding pretty good sounded yeah. like he was here.
2: Yeah, see if he calls back. Nostalgia.
3: But um, yes, yeah, it started to depress you even further. <laughs> but to me, as I said on Shoeing Show on the weekly Mondays with Moss, is that you know, look. It was probably his 17th or 18th worst decision that he's ever made as Lions coach. It, it definitely does not make the top 10. Uh, my main problem is that the onside kick, you're, it's like a 20 or 25% chance of successfully navigating that. Uh, it's, it's just not great odds that you, know, you kick it away and you hope that... I mean, if, you, if your defense, which for the most part of the game, had stopped their Houston's run game. I mean, Lamar Miller was battling an injury... Uh, he was pretty ineffective for the first three and a half quarters. If you can't run a stunt or some sort of blitz or put nine, ten men to stop the run in that situation, uh, if you can't do that and get the ball back when you know the oppos- the opposition is just going to run the ball and just try to run out the clock, make you use your timeouts. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's um, it, it's you, you're basically told your defense you have no trust in them whatsoever and it's pretty dejecting i would think um but it, it's just very confusing because you have situations like that where he makes the wrong call but earlier in the game he went for it on fourth and 3 from i think the 38 yard line of houston which was the right decision he's been going for it on fourth down a lot um bizarrely i ran a poll Sunday, I think it had about five or 600 votes on Twitter. So not exactly uh, the most scientific. I'm guessing uh, Nate Silver would give it a D-plus rating if he added it to his uh, 538 website. Not exactly scientific. But I, I asked my followers, who would you uh, desire to be the Lions coach next season based on what you've seen over the last couple of years, what you've seen to date through eight games? Uh, I believe 4% said... Jim Caldwell. That's a whopping. Uh, that, that, that's really a resounding uh, confidence vote for your from your fan base. Four percent said Caldwell. The second option I gave was offensive coordinator Jim Bob cleeter Cooter Cletus Cooter whatever his fucking hillbilly name is. That got twenty percent, which I thought I really thought that was that had a chance to maybe. Uh, win the win the vote, maybe not with a uh, majority. But I, I actually thought that Jim Bob, just because of what he's done with um, Stafford over the last year, I really thought more people were going to say that that was a, a reasonable option, but it only got 20% of the vote. So like 76% said someone outside of the organization, which means you'd most likely lose Jim Bob Cooter, uh, the person who has been uh, is good an offensive coordinator, I think, in Detroit, as I stated on Twitter on Sunday during the game, uh, since the run-and-shoot days of Mouse Davis and June Jones. I, I don't think Jim Bob's coming back here if you hire a new head coach, unless you give him some huge contract and promotion and give him a title of associate head coach. Maybe then you can keep him. But... Uh, the fans want something new, and I, I can't say I completely blame them. I'm not exactly the you know the biggest Jim Bob fan. He's got a sordid past, although he wouldn't be the first uh, Detroit Lions coach to uh, have that. We had Wayne Fontz blaming his son for uh, cocaine stashed in his car. No, Spiro. No. Wow, that was just a that was just a absolute parachute job just like <laughs> middle of the sentence like i'm just gonna uh click get out of this interview and just leave moss <laughs> flailing uh for the uh, rest of the segment so we'll take a break regroup i didn't th- like i said i was debating doing the show at all dedicating it completely to horse racing just to as spiro said troll you in a terrence and philip manner uh or coming in and maybe doing an hour so we'll take another break see if I want to talk about anything else, see if Spiro calls back or not, and then we will wrap up this episode 51 of the DSR podcast.
2: This is a previously recorded episode.
3: All right, we're back on the DSR podcast. I actually found some stuff to talk about. Went through my uh, Twitter timeline over the last few days and uh, found some things we can discuss before we leave for the uh, evening. I don't know, bridged maybe shorter show. Uh, I want to comment about the Tigers' social media, uh, Twitter and Facebook. The Cleveland Indians tonight, in about, I don't know, two hours, have an opportunity to win a World Series one year after the Kansas City Royals took home the title. Three years in a row, AL Central rivals, on a sliver of the Detroit Tigers' budget, have made the World Series. The only thing stopping Kansas City from going back-to-back was uh, one of the greatest relief performances in the history of uh, baseball in Game 7 of Madison Baumgartner. So Kansas City loses in 2014 with about half the payroll of the Detroit Tigers, come back the next season with about 45% of the Tigers' payroll, or excuse me, 55%. And win the World Series. Tigers come back in the offseason, seeing that the Royals won the World Series, raise their payroll by about $25 million, pay a luxury tax, once again miss the playoffs, lose the division to a team that bitch slapped them around all season in the Cleveland Indians. At once again, a fraction of the payroll of the Detroit Tigers, even though they've lost their best offensive player, Michael Brantley, basically for the whole entire season. And now they are up three games to two, having to win one of two games at home uh, to finish off the Chicago Cubs. In the midst of all of this, we get word from Alavila that Chris Illich has given an edict to slash the Tigers payroll so they can compete. I guess ostensibly with the Indians and Royals payroll wise, but without the uh, brain power of the front office as the you know the Royals have been able to do it and the Indians on a shoestring budget. So now the Tigers are uh, going to lose their one inherent advantage in the AL Central, something that hasn't you know gotten them to a World Series ring while their rivals have won and maybe are about to win one. So what is the genius behind the Detroit Tigers social media do uh, over the last couple days? Showing highlights of Jose Iglesias making great defensive plays in the field because, I, I don't know, he's, I don't even read the tweets. I guess he's eligible. He's being considered for a gold glove at shortstop. And I'm sure we're going to be inundated with crap shortly about Michael Fulmer's Rookie of the Year uh, potential chances or Justin Verlander's Cy Young. Who gives a fuck? Go away. Stop tweeting. How tone-deaf are you? We've had enough individual awards. Nobody gives two shits about Jose Iglesias or Ian Kintler, whoever the fuck you want it to Justin Vam winning a gold glove. Who fucking cares? Shut up. Shut it down. Shut it down until the season starts because there's not going to be anything to brag about this offseason. There's not going to be any free agent signings. We're just going to be watching our team get torn apart. So please save me the Michael Fulmer tweets about the rookie of the year. Have some dignity. Have some fucking dignity, you assholes. Or maybe I should just unfriend at Tigers. Maybe that'll help me. Maybe that'll save, maybe add a year to my life. Cy Young after Cy Young, Verlander, Scherzer, MVPs, Miguel, Triple Crowns. We've seen it all except for what Cleveland's about to win and what Kansas City won last year. So shut the fuck up about individual awards on Twitter, you fucking ignoramuses. And crazily enough, there's a portion of the fan base out there who just eats this shit up. Thousands of likes and retweets when they put this crap out there. Well, who are these people? Let's put them in the same camp we're going to we're going to put together for people who are still undecided. On the election a week before. Can we get an, can we get Barb Wire and that Negan character to round those people up?
2: Fuck Negan. Fuck Negan. Sorry. <laughs> I mean,
3: can I use Negan to just bash people who retweet and favorite Jose Iglesias for uh gold glove at shortstop while their arch rival, the Cleveland Indians, are on the verge of a world series? Can we use him for that?
2: Yeah, that'll you know. He was a nice doing... guy
3: in The Good Wife. Mm-hmm. Negan?
2: Great in Batman, too. Was he? No. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, not really great. He wasn't in there that long.
3: Oh, wait a second. That's actually an actor. I'm sorry, Rochelle Riley. Yeah. I didn't know this. Was it was Jeffrey <laughs> Dean Morgan. It's actually a real person bashing yeah. in brains, you fucking imbecile. So that's my rant about the Tigers. I very rarely ever talk about collegiate sports on here, but since I've got absolutely nothing else to talk about and you don't want to hear my horse racing picks, uh, I, I do want to quickly comment on Michigan, Michigan State on Saturday. Um, the thing that I noticed that I took away from that game was it, it just was abundantly clear to me that Michigan state head coach, Mark D'Antonio had no illusion that he was going to win that game at all. And all he did for 60 minutes was try to keep it the score as close as possible for his fragile uh, ego from play calling to who he started a quarterback to, for absolutely no reason, when you're down by, uh, what was it, seven points with five seconds left on the clock or one second, whatever the hell it was, and you go for a two-point conversion, all you were telling, at least me, Mark D'Antonio, is all you cared about Saturday was not getting humiliated and embarrassed, and you didn't care about winning. Uh, trying to attempt a uh, uh, kick a field goal down by uh, three scores in the fourth quarter with uh, 10 or 11 minutes left. Everything you did in that game showed to me that Michigan football is still in your head, no matter how many times you've beaten them over the last seven or eight years, that all you wanted to do was mitigate the damage, not win that game. That's what I saw from Mark D'Antoni. I saw a scared coach who didn't want to have Michigan punk him in his building by 30 or by the spread for most of the game I it looked like Dantonio had had Michigan State plus the 24 and a half and most of his coaching decisions to me appeared like all he cared about was covering and it worked you didn't get humiliated. And you know Michigan State fans. I was at a bar watching this game, and I, I don't want to just label Michigan State fans. Although I don't, I can't imagine I'd you'd ever see this out of Michigan fans. Maybe you would. I'll, I'll leave that up to you to decide. But I'm at a bar full of Michigan and Michigan State fans, and Michigan State scores an absolutely totally meaningless touchdown in the final seconds of that game, and Michigan State fans. We're going crazy like they had just beaten Alabama. And I'm like, I'm actually, I was so livid by this. I turned to a guy at the bar who was wearing a Michigan State shirt and going nuts that they scored that late touchdown. Why do you care? Why did you care about that touchdown? And his response was, well, the score will look better. Like, what? (laughs) Is that what
2: we're down to? Yeah, they don't want to get that embarrassed by you of M because they're supposed to be so superior because their whole entire fan base is just that cocky. Well, not well, the not the whole, not the listen, whole entire, but I, I, the majority.
3: Michigan fans are assholes. A lot of yeah, them. I'm, I'm not going to disagree. But when you're watching a sporting event and it's a clocked game and the game is over for all intents and purposes, and you score a completely meaningless touchdown, for a bar to erupt and go nuts because of that. What kind of losers are you?
2: Very sore losers. You've
3: won. You've dominated the series. This was a game you were probably going to lose based on the fact that you haven't won a game in the Big Ten yet this year. And Michigan's on its way to an undefeated season up until they get to Ohio State. And whether they win that game or not, it'll determine probably if they go to the playoff. But this game wasn't very close. I mean, Michigan was in control the whole time there was no threat that michigan state was ever winning that game to celebrate that touchdown it, you know it, it was pathetic um two last subjects we'll get to and then we'll get out of here uh, the pistons are off to a uh, 2 and one start not that i don't that, I, that anyone seems to care in this town Seems to me that the bigger story is the fact that they're moving to downtown. Obviously, Tom Gore's before the home opener on was it Friday night, uh, basically told the media assembled that the Pistons will be moving downtown, leaving the Palace after the season, and will be playing in the Little Caesars Arena. starting in 2017-18, which to me, if you, if anybody knows the history between these two franchises, it, it's really it's really a, a complete turnaround. Because when Bill Davidson owned this team and was competing with Mike Illich for that winner dollar uh, between the Wings and the Pistons, this, these two teams acted like the other didn't exist. You could go to a Pistons game... And this was, you know, even before really cell phones, smartphones were rampant. And you'd go to the game, and they wouldn't even put the Red Wings playoff score on anywhere at the Palace. If you went to a Pistons, a Red Wing game, they wouldn't put the Pistons score playoff. It was just like the Hatfield and McCoys. It was really bizarre. And then a few years back, Tom Wilson, who ran the Pistons for, God, two decades for Bill Davis, and he left and he went down to uh, have a similar job with the Red Wings. And, uh, you know, a lot of that, there was some, even, you know, I believe there was some bad blood there. And now these two entities are teaming up to operate out of the same building. And something just to me does not add up. Because it would just seem to me that Tom Gores is giving up a lot of potential revenue by moving his franchise into the Illich-owned arena. And basically rendering the Palace of Auburn Hills useless. I guess there'll be some concerts there. You know, the suburban kids who want to see Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. Yeah. When I say suburban kids, I'm actually talking about Brad Gailey, I guess. But um, I guess, there, I mean, there could still be concerts there, but you're losing 45 home games a year between, you know, potential playoffs, regular season exhibition. And you have to wonder if the Palace is just going to go, you know, the way of the Silverdome and just be kind of a abandoned building that doesn't get used very often.
2: Honestly, the only thing it's good for music-wise is if somebody wants to go to an indoor concert in the winter. Like, in the summertime, everybody wants to be outside at concerts.
3: Yeah, except the, the only thing is the big, big concerts, like if a Coldplay comes, there's just... Yeah, it's there's not, not enough room. DTE's not big enough that's true. for something like that, really. So the real big shows still go to the Palace, even during the summer. Right. But you're right. Most of the shows are, you know, the big acts that aren't, you know, stadium tour type deals will go to DTE, and that's not going to change. But yeah, and... And I'm guessing, you know, the one thing that the Palace had over Joe Lewis was that Joe Lewis is absolutely horrible to go see a concert. I don't even music uh, musical concerts. You saw at Joe Lewis Arena, but no. the uh, the the acoustics were just horrific. It was much better to go to see a concert at the Palace. But I'm guessing you would hope that Little Caesars Arena is going to have all of the new technology and going to a concert there will be a, a first class. Um experience not like Joe Lewis Arena so you don't even have that advantage probably anymore so I don't know I still maintain that I feel that something is amidst regarding maybe the Tigers ownership there's got to be some quid pro quo I think I I just can't see a guy as savvy as Tom Gores now I know and I and I get you probably in in a city like Detroit you can't build an arena for the Red Wings and a building for the Pistons Uh, It's probably not feasible in in this economic era. Although Tom Gore's just built or just bought a hundred million dollar house with a 5,000 square foot master bedroom. Mm -hmm. So I guess he can pretty much do whatever the fuck he wants. But Uh, I I just got to think there's going to be another shoe to drop. And whether that's the first, the right to buy the Detroit Tigers when they go for sale, when Mike Illich eventually dies or what, Uh, you know, Tom Gore's, was interested in partnering up with dan gilbert to to uh, bring a major league soccer team to the site where that robert ficano fiasco jail that they were building that Mm -hmm. ended up going belly up because they didn't have enough money to finish it or whatever Mm -hmm. they were going to bring a soccer team so dan gilbert the owner of the cleveland cavaliers and tom gore is the owner of the pistons
2: um, Nobody gives a shit about soccer.
3: We're going to team up to bring a soccer team. Well, actually, the, they more than you'd think, these little kids that grow up like soccer now, and mm. it's kind of like the trendy thing for millennials. I, I think the soccer team actually would work out s- somewhat well here. But Gores was willing to go partners with Gilbert on that endeavor. And that was coming off a couple of years where Gilbert was basically prodding in public gores to bring the pistons back downtown and saying things that gores people really weren't happy with
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, he was making comments you know publicly that no oh, the you know the Pistons should come back downtown and basically the people of platinum equity under gores was like you know saying telling dan gilbert mind your own business uh, but i guess for any sort of deal um Tom Gores is willing to do what needs to be done. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, me personally, I, I think it's I, – I actually am looking forward to Little Caesars Arena. Um, going to see Piston games down there, it's a lot easier for me to get to uh, downtown than it is the Palace. So we'll see what happens, but I, I don't think that's the end of that story. And the last thing I want to talk about, which you people who aren't members of the DSR Elite – Will, are not privy to because I haven't discussed this publicly as of yet, but I'm about to. So the other day, uh, the Michigan Michigan State game was going on, and Fox 2's Ryan Armani failed sports broadcaster uh, at WDFN at uh, 105.1. And he used to be a sports broadcaster on Fox 2, but he lost that gig. Well, they moved him from sports to um, doing the news. He went on Twitter. I think he's deleted the tweet since. I was just looking for it. and It looks like it's gone. But he was trolling Michigan State fans over Michigan's victory over MSU. Actually, the game wasn't even over. It was like when they were up by 20. And he was going on, oh, your run's over, which he spelled your wrong. The guy cannot spell your or you are correctly. It's embarrassing that this guy actually went to U of M, but he did. So he's trolling Michigan State fans. Whenever he trolls Michigan State fans, I like to uh, go on and give Spartan fans uh, the roadmap to troll Ryan or back, either by mentioning the fact that he no longer works at 1051 and the ratings for the bounce went up about 600% when he lost his job. Or the fact that he never had ratings at WDFN, or the fact that his brother, who lives in Grosse Point, was arrested a couple years back for cocaine. And then when he was on probation for that offense, I believe, he got into a domestic dispute with... His wife, he pled no contest to domestic abuse. This is all public record. It's been in the newspaper. And, you know, being the asshole that that I am, I said, look, if if Michigan State fans, if this douchebag who's like, what, Michigan State had won seven out of eight games, this guy wants to troll you, here's what you can send back to him and say, fuck off, you dipshit. Mention his brother. Mention him losing his gigs. Uh, maybe that'll shut him the fuck up. So I tweeted that out Saturday after his, you know, this your run is over. Hope you had fun. Michigan's going to dominate now. Blah, blah, blah. So I tweeted an article about his brother's domestic abuse conviction where he, where he um, pled no contest. A few minutes later... I received an email from Armani and I'm going to read that email to you. <laughs> I think you'll you'll get a you'll get a kick out of it. Quote, "Dude, I know you hate me. I get it!" exclamation point. Mm-hmm. "But why do you bring people into it that have nothing to do with anything or how bad you think I suck? I just don't understand because I think you're a really talented guy who doesn't need to jump to conclusions." conclusions. The guy pled no contest to domestic abuse. This is a public record. This isn't me jumping to any sort of conclusions. You have no idea of what you're tweeting about, and I'm sure you don't even care about the truth of anything aside from how you look on Twitter. You think I suck, so you tweet about my brother, a story of which you know nothing about, except for his multiple convictions. A, I thought you were better than that. Fuck you. B, you don't even give two shits about the truth other than sensationalize something that was written that you know nothing about, exclamation point. But it makes you look good, so go with it, bro. I responded to him, Hey, dummy, your brother pled no contest to domestic assault. The judge said that's the same as pleading guilty. The judge intimated that people were trying to get his wife to drop said charges. I'm just curious if you were one of those people. Wow. Wow. Someone doesn't like to be trolled. Maybe you should think about that before you open your stupid fucking mouth. Hoping that would be the end of Ryan Romani uh, for the day. Uh, no, it wasn't. I understand what happened. What I'm telling you is you're wrong. I know you don't care about the truth. You only care about what makes what you think happen and what you think you know. It's all good. I could probably send a tweet out 10 years from now, and you'll still bring this up. What I'm telling you is this. For a guy that prides himself on truth, you have zero idea of what you're talking about. You don't care about facts. You don't care about anything other than what you think will make you look good. All good, man. There is no winning with you because you already think you know everything anyway. My response. Dipshit. What am I wrong about? My claim is your brother pled guilty to a domestic abuse charge. That's a matter of public record. While on probation for a cocaine charge, the judge in court accused others of trying to intervene on your brother's behalf. All public record. Based on these emails, I am more convinced than ever that your dumbass was probably involved in this somehow. But that's the only thing I'm surmising. Everything else is a fact. That didn't stop him. Against my better judgment, if you want to know what happened, seriously, I'll tell you. It's no secret. 313-XXX-XXX is my cell. I'll be more than happy to tell you. The only thing is I asked you, don't broadcast my cell number. My response. Hold on, let me pull it up. I will take the court record over the word of his brother in capitals, but thanks. Uh, here I found the tweet because uh, I sent it back to him from Armani your y o u apostrophe r e run is over i hope you enjoyed it that was his uh that was his tweet about to michigan state fans you are run is over this guy went to u of m how the uh de- how the uh scholastic department there hasn't disavowed themselves of this imbecile i have no idea i am not going to broadcast your number i've never done that also it's not it's your not you are <laughs> You, you are correct about one thing. I am very talented, and you are not. And I capitalized. Give me the mic. Sorry, I want okay. the mic. And I, and I spelled you are correctly, by the way, <laughs> even though I went to Eastern Michigan. He still wasn't done, Jessica. Jeff, I'm being totally honest with you. I think you're one of the most talented people, writers, bloggers, that I have ever read, come across in my life. And that's why I'm so disappointed in you attacking my brother every chance you get. I'll be glad to tell you the real story if you want to know. I mean, what would you believe, Jessica? The story of his brother who may or may not have been trying to get the sister-in-law to drop the charges or the fact that the man pled no contest to the charge. Look, if my wife accused me of hitting her, I mean, you—I would fight it to the fucking Supreme Court if I didn't touch her.
2: You don't plead no contest unless you were offered a deal by the prosecutor. Usually. Yeah, exactly. So, but
3: there's no chance that and you I don't do that. If that if de- you are innocent.
2: If I, so if, well, maybe you, maybe
3: you would under some maybe sense, you would, though. maybe if you got accused of something that you didn't do and it was like, I don't know, he, I don't know, something, well, uh, something other than laying a hand on I mean, your if wife. If you I didn't what? touch my wife, I would never, ever, ever plead no contest to hitting her ever. It would not happen. I would not want to go into court and basically plead guilty to abusing my wife if I didn't do it. It just wouldn't happen. I'd rather go to jail.
2: Yeah. And and maintain my Not everyone's the same. Just keep that in mind.
3: That's true. But it's not what you think. I'm telling you. I know that doesn't fit your narrative, but it is what it is. And just for shits and giggles, let's say it's true. What in the world does it have to do with me? I'm a great husband, a great father, and do everything I can to support and provide for my family. So why is any of this prudent to me? Just for shits and and giggles, assuming what you write about my bro is true, which it is not, what does it have to do with me? Because I'm trolling you, you fucking moron. Just like you're trolling Pete. You're trying to get a reaction out of Michigan State fans, you dummy. Are you that stupid that you can't see what I'm doing? My response, and this is he didn't respond to either of these emails, but there's two, and then we will end the show. A, your white first wife doesn't think you were a great husband. That I know for a fact as well. B, you moron. It's always a response to your stupid fucking trolling of Michigan State fans. It's obviously a sore subject, so I'm just giving Michigan State fans a path to retaliate against your pathetic attempts to troll them. C, learn to spell for fucking Christ's sake. D, I don't like you at all, so I will, so I will do whatever the fuck I want to mess with you. And if you want to chat, we can do it on my podcast. Between 5 and 7 on Tuesday. Crickets, no response to that. So maybe next week, Ryan Romani will come on the show and uh, tell us why I'm wrong about his brother pleading no contest to domestic abuse. And maybe this will get him to finally, because look, say whatever you want, but if you purposely troll people, I'm going to hit you back with this. You can have stupid opinions all day long, which you do, about Detroit sports, and I won't comment about your brother or you. But when you purposely go out of your way to troll Michigan State fans, I'm going to hit you back because that's the kind of dick that I am. So that's episode number 51 of the DSR podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully Spiro didn't drive into a wall or pick <laughs> a lake. not. He just, just – Absolutely sabotages the show by by calling in, not telling me if he's going to call in or not, and then just hanging up on a whim, like in the middle of a I'm conversation. Done with this
2: conversation, click. Just like, <laughs>
3: but let, no let, word. Let, let, let's see how Moss can handle my impromptu hanging up on in the middle of a conversation. Maybe about his the phone lion. died. Maybe his phone died. <laughs> Maybe his phone died. Always defending Spiro.
2: What? No. Oh I'm yeah. Just Always the. Disp- we're in the There's, middle of
3: a nice conversation i know and then gone i was right here <laughs> <laughs> i know but you ever notice i like repeating myself for a fact no never huh. no all right well appreciate you coming in you only had to, had to listen to an hour and 25 minutes of this nonsense tonight
2: oh no your rants were actually uh,
3: coming up after you know it's seven undercard they coming in yeah i think we're done have a good evening everyone